and welcome to Happy Place. I'm Fern Cotton and today I'm off to meet a very special lady, YouTube sensation Zoe Sugg. People are a bit immune to empathy, I think, at this point, and not a lot of people remember that there's a person reading that at the other Mm. end. It's a conversation that I know you're going to get a lot out of because I certainly did. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. And now for the show. I am off to meet somebody who you'll either know everything about and absolutely love or perhaps never have heard of. It is Zoe Sugg. She is a a lovely, lovely lady that I've bumped into over the years and always really enjoyed having a good chat with. She's got such a huge following, you know, one of the biggest social media followings that I know of. And her fans are loyal, dedicated and know everything about her that there is to know. She uses YouTube prolifically, one of the biggest YouTube stars probably on the planet and is very open about her life. She's talked a lot about her own experience of anxiety and panic attacks. But I'm really interested to talk to her not only about that, but also just about the pressures around social media, you know, from someone that uses it a lot and also has a huge following in this new weird currency that we're all dealing with likes and followers so I'm intrigued to know more about how she feels about that so we are off to Zoe's house let's go find it Oh, Zoe, I'm a bit in love with your dog already. I know, she's like attached to you. Oh, she's so lovely. Will she sit here for the whole chat? Probably. I hope so. I hope she doesn't lick too much or like snort. I'm absolutely fine with licking (laughs) and the snorting of the dog is A-OK. You're so good. You're slipping off the sofa. Stay there. Thank you so much for welcoming us into your home today. Thank you for coming. It's so nice to see you because I've bumped into you over the years at various events and things and we've always stayed in touch on email and stuff, but it's nice to have like a proper chat. Yes. And hear about this amazing career that you have created for yourself because no one else did it. You you started it from the ground up and it's become a monster. Thank you. I know that there was never an idea like, oh, I'm going to have this amazing empire one day and mm-hmm. it's going to be brilliant. But when did that first thought click into your head that th- this might be a route for you and this is what you wanted to do? For a really long time, I enjoyed reading blogs because back then blogging was, it was quite small, but there was a few people doing it. And I found it really interesting because it was, it wasn't like a magazine article or a sponsor or it was something very different. It was real people writing about product that they might not have written about beforehand. So I was enjoying reading those and I found them really interesting and I was reading all the reviews and then I found myself wanting to go out and purchase what they were talking about. 
And I thought I might give this a go because it looks really fun and I love writing and I'm really passionate about beauty and makeup and shopping. So I started on the blog and that was when I was 19. And then after that video sort of picked up a little bit, but there still weren't many people doing video. And that was quite daunting at first. I definitely didn't want to jump straight in and start filming myself. But a lot of people were saying, please, can we see more of you? I'd love to know like what you sound like and like your mannerisms and things that you can't really get across in writing. So I sort of gave one video a go and it went down really well and I carried on there. But at this point, it wasn't it wasn't anything at this point. It was just fun. It was just a hobby. And there was a few people kind of commenting and it was kind of growing within this little community. And we would all chat on Twitter and start going to events. I think we went to like a body shop event or something um, back in 2009. And it was just all very new and really crazy that something like this could come of just writing about whatever you wanted to write about. And eventually, I think... I my my dad was like come on you need to like get a job like you're not earning anything from doing this it might be fun but you need to get out and look for like a proper job and at this point I didn't know what I wanted my career to be and that was terrifying um, because I'd just come out of retail I think I was working a new look or something but doing the blog on the side and making the videos and I think I just said to him like no I really feel like this is going to turn into something I just have a feeling Um, and I just persevered and it just became this huge thing and your proper job yeah and my proper (laughs) job and my career great (laughs) it's so amazing what do you think like looking back because loads of people were trying to do blogs Mm -hmm. and loads of people were trying to be on youtube and and tell their story or talk about things they're passionate about and very few gain momentum and and have that traction that you know brings a lot of people and other stuff with it Mm -hmm. why do you think it's worked for you and, and that you've stood out and that you've connected with other people out there i think from the very beginning it was something that I was very passionate about and I was talking about things that not a lot of people were talking about and I think that's where it sort of gained traction because there weren't that many people but also it was very real you know I was talking about things like anxiety and I was talking about things that weren't so great but also things I absolutely loved whether that was a box of cereal or a beauty product or a video of taking my dog for a walk or it was very normal and I think people like that you know reality tv is so huge Mm. because people love that little glimpse into someone's real life it's not kind of acted it's not staged it's it is what it is and I think that was very refreshing back then and I think a lot of people feel like they're coming along on the journey with you which Mm. is so nice they're kind of watching you grow they're watching your content change they're watching you become really passionate about something and essentially you're able to then help people as well because you've got this platform where you can say whatever you want to say when you've got that sort of following you know, you, there are demands because you can't be like, oh, I'm going to have like a year off and just not put anything out there mm-hmm. or even a week. You need to keep that that footage out there and those pictures and that content. And you have to put a lot of your life out there mm-hmm. as well. Are there ever times where you wish that you didn't have to do that anymore and you would like to just close the doors and have complete privacy? Definitely. I would be lying if over the years there haven't been like difficult times or times where, you know, you just think, oh... I'm not having a good day everyone has their bad days and everyone kind of in whatever job you're in there will be the positives and the negatives and I think because this wasn't a career I knew anything about and I think a lot of people didn't really know to what extent this could be there wasn't any kind of thought of I wonder if 
uh, it will ever get to the point where I don't really want to walk around Sainsbury's on my own because people might come and ask me for a photo or it's all those little things you sort of have to learn along the way. And I think some of those were quite difficult to get used to. So there have definitely been times where it's like, wow, this is this is harder than I thought it was going to be. But at the same time, you also don't feel like you really want to sort of complain about it because it's so fun and it's so amazing. The good outweighs the bad yeah. most of the time. Yes, you for say. sure, for sure. So obviously, as you said there, you've talked a lot about anxiety and you've been mm-hmm. brilliantly honest about that. And you've had amazing feedback from your legion of followers out there who have been through similar things or have had terrible times and they've felt a bit stuck. Mm-hmm. When did you feel it was right to talk about that for the first time? Because there's been a real shift probably in the last only two years really where people are talking a lot more about mental health or just day-to-day problems that they're happy to admit to others to Mm -hmm. either get help or to help others. When did you feel a moment where you thought, right, this is the right time. I want to be really truthful to the people that are watching me and listening to what I say and and how how was it delivering that information for the first time so I think I how old was I when I made that video I think I was 21 possibly or 22 um, and I'd been making videos for quite a while at this point and actually I kind of decided to make that video when I was in a place where I fully understood what was happening because up to this point I knew I had anxiety because I'd been to the doctors and I'd sort of looked it up online, but no one around me had it. Um, I grew up in a very small village where people didn't really talk about their feelings too much and none of my friends fully understood it. I didn't fully understand it. And I think once I'd started uh, making videos and I kind of got my confidence a bit and I did a bit more research and spoke to a lot more people, having Twitter and the internet meant that you were kind of opening up conversations with people you would never normally meet in real life. I decided to kind of work on it and do something about it because it was affecting the job I was doing. I was having to kind of go to London and do like shoots. I remember me and you did a couple of shoots yeah, and I found those did. so terrifying. I would never have, isn't that funny that I would never have known? I, I just see a young, confident girl walk in who wants to be part of it and talk about clothes and you just make so many assumptions but then inside you're feeling all these other emotions and fears yeah it was really it was really difficult because I was kind of managing it pretty well up to the point where this started becoming my career and I was being pushed out of my comfort zone quite a lot more than I would have ever anticipated so it was at that point where I was like okay this is where my career is headed and I love doing it so I'm gonna have to do something about this anxiety because it's making it really difficult So at that point, I thought, right, if I have kind of sat with the fact that, shall I wait for... Oh, he's gone. There's my dinner. Dad's got my rice and chicken. Oh, he's there. Oh, look at your doggy. That is the cutest thing I've ever seen. (laughs) She knows that Dad's home with the food. That's what I'm like if Jessie's been to Waitrose (laughs) at the window. Yeah, (laughs) terrifying. Oh my God, this is the cutest thing I've ever witnessed. Nala, she's like on the top of the sofa. She's going, just get in here now, I'm starving. Get me my chicken. Oh my God, I could watch this all day. This is the cutest (laughs) thing ever. And she's like big, she's really like impatient about it. Like, just get a freaking move on. Yeah, she's like, like, hurry up. I'm really over this now. (laughs) Nala. (laughs) Not giving up. So Nala. She doesn't want to take her eyes off him. Nala. He's coming. You now better go, you better go, you better go. she'll run to the door. You better go, you better go. <laughs> that, that's nearly enough to make me want to get a dog. 
That is oh, like you should guard. get a dog. I'd like You're one a cat that person, little, more, like that, who yeah. does cute barking on the sofa. <laughs> it's oh. not always cute. When it's constant, it's not always cute. Oh, where's your chicken? Where's Have your you chicken, got the and chicken and rice? Hello, love. <laughs> where's your chicken? Are you over it? Have you given up? She wants to stay. Um, <clears throat> yeah. So where was I? So you, so so you had this anxiety. So what I'm interested in as well. So so you'd had anxiety from a young age before yes. you started blogging. Before yeah. you started all of this YouTubing, and and it worsened because of what you were doing. Yes. Definitely. I think I'd managed it quite well because I wasn't really doing anything that was out of my comfort zone yeah. up until that point. I like this, the craziest thing that I would find difficult was like a night out with my friends on the town. Yeah. And even then it's like, that's not, you know, you can just go home. So it wasn't too bad, but it was when I was starting to do much more kind of, you know, going into London, having meetings. Like I hadn't really ever done any meetings up to this point. So all these things were very new. But then also the other half of it, which was kind of being stopped in the street and asked for a photo and people knowing you from your videos was something that was really strange to get used to. Mm. Um, So at that time, I decided that I wanted to like get help for it. So I went to the doctors. Um, they They weren't all too helpful, which I think was quite discouraging for me on my anxiety journey. I think one doctor told me to uh, go on a walk and I was like, oh, I'm just mm. not sure that that's actually going to, yeah. to Do help it for me. Yeah. yeah, I think going on walks is great, yeah. but I'm not sure that it's that simple. It could be part of that puzzle, yeah, but exactly. not the cure. Yeah, exactly. And another one told me it was because I'd started my period. And I was like, wow, that's very interesting. I've never heard that one before. No, nor have I. No. Is there a correlation? I've never heard of that. I, I don't think there is. I mean, is. hormones, sure, we all have to deal with yeah. that. But I don't know if it directly correlates to anxiety in that yeah. way. At that point, I just thought I was a crazy hormonal. Like, yeah. <laughs> I was like, Oh, but it's intense, you know. I I like you have panic attacks, and I haven't had so many this year. But the, the year before that, so I mm. had many that manifest in different ways. But usually, a feeling of like literally a switch goes on, crazy fear. Probably going to puke is mm-hmm. the first feeling I get. Yeah. Probably going to faint is my next thing. Hot, flushy, tingly, um, full body sort of sensation. Yeah. How, how do yours manifest? Are they different or is it always the same? It's the, similar to yours. It starts with kind of feeling very trapped mm. and very claustrophobic, which I don't have claustrophobia. So it's like very instant. The room is coming in on me. Everyone is looking at me. They can all tell what I'm feeling. You know, smells are much more like they're heightened. The sound is louder. Your heart's going really fast. You get like clammy, but you're also like shivering. I used to shiver quite a lot, even though I was sweating. Um, So people used to kind of wrap me up in a blanket. I'd be like, no, no, I'm actually okay. I'm just shivering from the adrenaline. Um, And usually my first thought would just be to try and escape whatever situation I was in. But yeah, really scary. And also, I guess with the work that you do and and what you've done until that point it is quite an intimate medium because you're talking to your camera or Mm -hmm. you are blogging and then having to step out of that I guess sort of quite nice comfort zone where you are protected because you're editing your life and you're the one that's in control so then have to step out into that 
sort of chaos, I guess, can mm-hmm. feel, and also to the extent that you have to deal with it, can can definitely trigger it, I'm imagining. Yeah, definitely, definitely. But it was also one of those things that proved to me that I didn't want my life to carry on in that way. Mm. So I was really enjoying everything I was doing. I was really enjoying meeting people that watched my videos. I was enjoying going to the meetings and like doing all the filming and everything else I was doing. I was enjoying that. And it was frustrating me that the panic attacks, t- attacks and the anxiety was sort of holding me back and not making me enjoy those. So I think at that point was probably when I made the video yeah um where I just wanted people to understand more about me and how you know at the time it looked like I had this exciting crazy whirlwind life and everyone was really envious and they were like how do you you know is there anything that's bad in your life and it did kind of portray as this very easy kind of fun job which it definitely can be but I really wanted people to see that there was a lot more to me and actually I did find those things hard and although you can see me walking down a red carpet there was a bit before that when I had a panic attack and there was a bit after that where I had a panic Mm. attack that you'll never know about and I also wanted people to feel less alone and to realize that it's a lot more normal than you think it is Mm. and there are a lot more people experiencing the exact same thing but you might not have ever addressed it with them. There's so many which is the terrifying thing I'm sure you would have had the same feedback that I've had where people you know and strangers will come up and say oh God, you know, I have that all the time. Or, and you go, oh, I thought I was the only person. Yeah. You feel very alienated as well. Yeah, hugely. And I like, you know, in that video, you talk about you know, what is the worst thing that can happen. Mm-hmm. And, and that's the, there is a, you know, you are, you're scared of, you become fearful of fear at the end of the day. You're, yeah. you're, you're scared of, of what that fear is going to do. Um, and like you say, you know, no one's going to die. It's a very rare circumstance that you would harm anyone else or yourself. But it is a great fear or that fight or flight mode of something bad happening. Mm -hmm. Do you think a bit of that fear is of embarrassment or shame? Because I certainly felt like, God, if everyone knew how I felt, or also if I do faint, that will be embarrassing. And then it's unpicking, well, why is it feeling embarrassed so bad? But it kind of socially is. Yeah. You don't want to be in that situation. Did that ever become part of it for you? Definitely. Mm. I think especially when my audience started growing and the followers started growing because it was simple things like I used to have panic attacks in Paddington and that was scary and that was really terrifying but that was before I was doing YouTube and before I was blogging so the people around me were complete strangers and although it was a bit embarrassing kind of sitting on the floor of Paddington like sipping this water having a panic attack it didn't affect me in the same way because I knew I would never see those people ever again. Mm. And I think the minute I started doing this, it was all of a sudden these people might not be strangers anymore. So it was almost like the embarrassment was a whole other level because it was like, I really hope I don't have a panic attack because what if a viewer comes along who watches my videos and wants to have a nice chat with me, I would hate to appear rude or run away or for them to think differently of me because I wasn't being my best self in that moment and I think that definitely added something to the kind of fear of the panic attacks and made them a lot more kind of vivid in that time definitely so at Paddington Station is it because it just the volume of people the noise the chaos is that the, are they the triggers that that work that you know really get you yeah and I think for me it was very much situations where I felt like I couldn't leave mm. so if I had that ticket for that train there was no kind of alternative or once I was on that train and I had to be back at Chippenham 
I couldn't then get off anywhere else or what if I had a panic attack and I couldn't get off at all and that's the same for like so travel I always found very difficult because of that Mm. Um, and meetings I used to find really hard um, because I would think well I can't just get up and leave I almost kind of trapped myself in situations and since like over the last probably god how many years three and a half I've been working with a therapist which has been just the best thing to kind of learn more about where my triggers are and why this is happening but essentially I kind of trapped myself in situations and she would say to me you're not trapped at all you know you're a 26 year old 27 year old in a meeting you can get up and walk out if you want to Mm. and I think once I started thinking of it in that way I didn't trap myself as much and then I didn't panic because the worst case scenario wasn't there anymore because Mm. I can kind of break it by getting up and leaving and then coming back in when I wanted. I think it was like the fear of the embarrassment that kept it so alive. Mm. It's weird how much... You know, even if you don't suffer with panic attacks or anxiety, how embarrassment can hold you back of, well, what if this happens? Yeah. And it, do, it does. It's a feeling of being trapped. So sort of cognitively you're working with someone on, yes. on, on this and, and how you get through it. What other things do you sort of apply to your life to to either stop yourself from worrying about that being something in the future or if you are experiencing those sensations coming on? I think just remembering that I can do it like if it's a big meeting I I can kind of look back and be like but I've done this before and I know I can do it um kind of grounding myself a lot more giving myself days off I was really bad for a very long time Mm. I just used to keep going keep going and if I had one day where I wasn't doing anything I was bored and I was like no I need to I've got things to be working on and in this career there is always something that you could be doing. You could either be filming, editing, going to meetings. There's always things. And I think in any other job I've had, I've never had that before where you don't really ever switch off. Mm, you don't have to. No. Yeah. And you could, even when you're having an evening or you're sat watching a film, you're on your phone and you're looking yeah, at Twitter or you're reading your emails. Yeah. Like, I think because technology is such a huge part of what I do and probably what you do as well, there isn't really mm. a kind of shut-off point. So is that discipline for you? Yeah, yeah, I had to be a lot more strict. So I would give myself one day in the week where I wouldn't make any plans at all. And that even included meeting up with someone. Because I used to be like, oh no, yeah, I've got like three days off in the next couple of weeks and I'm going to meet with this friend on this day. And I'm going to go shopping with this friend on this day. And my therapist was like, no, you're still, that's still making a plan. You're mm. still putting something in your diary. You need to just not do anything. And that was very hard at first, but I'm definitely a lot, better at that as well is there a fear also of stopping because you want this momentum to continue and you've got this fan base and and this you know sort of wonderful life that you've created and you don't want that to stop so there's a fear around that yeah definitely and I think doing this for me is so it's it's so life-changing because I'm doing exactly what I feel like I was always meant to do kind of I'm creating things and I absolutely love having different projects to work on it's exciting it's different every single day Um, but at the same time you don't know when people aren't going to be watching YouTube anymore or you don't know when people are just not going to be interested or when things might change or you know reality TV and kind of the reality of how people live their lives isn't going to be a thing anymore so you kind of just have to make the most of every day and I try not to think about it too much because I think otherwise I would just 
spiral into mm. some like crazy like oh my god what am I going to be doing this time in two years but it is definitely something that kind of plays on your mind with a job mm. like this well, the truth sure. is none of us really know anything yeah, do we? we have exactly. we just wake up and hope for the best yeah. <laughs> Take and each see day what as happens it comes. <laughs> exactly with that um, amazing group of people that you've got who follow you I mean we've got like 10 or 11 million followers on Instagram for instance do you feel a sense of pressure and responsibility from that because they are watching you they are hearing what you're saying and they are following you some to in a sort of obsessive state you know they absolutely idolize you does that feel like a responsibility sometimes it does I think the joy of what I do is that I've always been kind of just living my life saying what I want to say talking about the things I love so I'm essentially my brand is me and that can be really positive in so many ways because it's real it's not kind of it's not made up it's not scripted you kind of get what you see but on the other hand it's so closely connected that sometimes you do feel a bit more kind of vulnerable or you feel like you have a lot more responsibility over people you sort of start second guessing whether you should post that or whether you should say that or whether you can put that picture up or are people gonna kind of rip into you about something and I think the bigger your audience becomes there's definitely a little part of you that becomes a lot more guarded in that sense um and you don't want to put across the wrong message so you're kind of you know can I say this or can I not say this but I feel like up to this point I've basically gone with whatever I feel like is the right thing yeah. because that's what's got me to where I am now so I I don't like to think about it too much because I I worry that it will change who I am as a person um but yeah it is it is quite terrifying because I could never have imagined it would have got to this point yeah and also it's so abnormal to have to hear things about yourself on that level you know most of us will know a bit about what our friends might think about us mm-hmm. or our family or the labels they've given us. Oh, you're the lazy one or you're this one or whatever. But when you have such a following, you're constantly getting feedback. And obviously most of it is positive, but you do have to hear things about yourself that you don't want to. Some mm-hmm. might be true, some might be absolute bollocks. But how do you take that on board and not let it affect you? Uh, it's quite a difficult one because I think sometimes if I'm having a really great week, I can kind of laugh it off or just shrug it off and think, oh, you know, never mind. But I would be lying if I said across the last nine years, I've gotten more used to it. I think I've definitely gotten stronger as a person and I'm able to kind of see it very differently. But those things you read about yourself, they they do go in there. You know, it's almost like you've got a little filing cabinet in your brain and it goes in there. So I, my main thing is that I don't, I don't look for it and I don't try not to read it. Um, that was one of the main pieces of advice I was ever given was like, don't Google yourself. Don't go Never. looking for it. <laughs> Never. Just, if you know it's there, don't look at it. No. It's like, it's almost just, it's like self-harm. It's like mm. you, if you're going there to look for the negative, you're going to feel so awful. Um, so I, I just try, I just try not to look at it. But at the same time, it's kind of like that Instagram post you posted the other week, which was amazing. And Thank I can't you. remember. The two one, you're two this, you're two that. Yes, yeah. it's like, but people are only really judging you on what they think yeah. you should be. I get frustrated with that one personally. because I just, I think people, it's the language they use is really sloppy that they yeah. will go, oh, you're way too this or, you know, and I've written this, like, you're too pale, you're too thin, you're too fat, you're too mouthy, you're too quirky, whatever. And it's mm-hmm. things that people do say very flippantly on social media. Yeah. And you don't have to take them all on board because it's just someone's opinion. But I don't like the language used around it that they're saying you are too something for what? Yeah. Yeah, for compared you, to who? <laughs> or for the massive, like, what is your point? And I don't understand that because 
I think, you know, if you are being authentic online, which you very much are, and I am, you know, you're just being you. Mm. So if someone else doesn't like that, it's, you know, it almost isn't any of your business. It just has yeah. to be something that they've thought and you've got to let it go. And it can be hard to do that, I think. Yeah, definitely. And another thing I always think, which makes me feel a lot better, is that these people are making their judgments and comparing you to them but only based on what you've given them, yeah. which isn't everything. It's, you know, hardly, if my, yeah. it's hardly anywhere near the reality, is it? No, especially on places like Instagram, where all you've got to go by is a, is a photo yeah. or you know a story. With things like vlogs, obviously you're giving them a lot more, but it's still you know 20 minutes out of a 24-hour day. So if you can detach yourself in that way, where you're like, okay, they might you know hate me for this reason, but they don't really know who I am. They just know what they think and they take from this what they want to take from mm. it it definitely helped the way I thought about it for sure yeah it, it, it's a few mind tricks I think you have to apply yeah. to it don't you because you know as honest as you are in your post or on Instagram whatever as you say it's a snapshot and it's it's never the full story yeah. and you know you don't need to or nor should you have to give someone 24 hours of you know your whole backstory or justify it yeah. it's just a moment in your day Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Obviously, with it being so integral to what you do and such a finely tuned machine, you know, having this whole social media um, sort of circus around what you do and that being such a huge part of it. How do you create that balance of using it and enjoying it? Because it can be super mm. fun. You know, we're not going to point fingers at it and blame it for everything. You know, it can be such a fun, connective place. Definitely. Yet still have a balanced life where, you know, you know that part of it is fantasy and that you have your lovely life here with your family and your dog. Yeah, I think it's about choosing what you would choose to share, but also allowing yourself those moments where you don't film them and you don't put them online. And those are the moments that I think keep you very much in the moment because like there was a point in time where both me and Alfie, my partner, were both filming all the time and it was so consuming. You know, it's great having someone who does the same thing as you, but when you're both doing it and you're both trying to create separately... It was just chaos. Get out my shot. Yeah. I'm doing a thing over here. <laughs> come and be a mine. Yeah. Come and be a mine. Um, so you do have to balance it. Mm. Otherwise, it would just it would just get completely out of hand. Yeah. Um, and I guess just choosing what you're comfortable with sharing as well. With the honesty that you've shown your viewers, what can you remember any specifics where you know somebody's come up to you in the street or somebody has sent you a, an email or or Instagrammed you and, and said that what you've shared has been game-changing for them? Have you had that like beautiful transaction of, of knowing that you have helped someone out? Yeah, I would say at least once a day I'll read really? something. Really? How yeah. amazing. Yeah, it's incredible. And I think things like that are the reason why I enjoy doing this so much because 
that is essentially why I started. I started to be able to speak to real people and that's still what I continue to do today. And now I think so much about all the kind of little things I'm able to do to help people, whether that's just, you know, 20 minutes out of their day where they don't have to worry about the thing they've been really worrying about because they can just watch the video and it's very like lighthearted entertainment and it's positive. Um, and it's just a place on the internet where there is no nastiness. Mm. And I love that I've been able to help people with their mental health journeys. I think one of my favorite stories was um, a girl who'd watched my video. I did a video called Just Say Yes, which was when I started therapy and I decided that I was going to stop saying no to things because it was basically making it worse. So I started saying yes to everything and really pushing myself out of my comfort zone. And she'd watched that video and she had then decided that evening to go to a night out at her new uni that she'd just started, um, where she said she met this guy Um, And normally she would never have gone up to speak to anybody, but she just felt really confident because she'd watched the video. So she went up and she started chatting to him. And she was like, now we've been together for two months or something. And I was like, oh my God, I love that. That's brilliant. That's so, but it's so nice to be part of someone's life in that way and for them to have kind of taken that from what you're saying and and applied it to their life. It's so lovely. We're all now dealing with this really strange new currency in life, which is followers on whatever level, Mm -hmm. you know, likes on Facebook, Instagram. And we're all still trying to get our heads around it because in the grand scheme of things and the history of the human race, it's really new. And our heads are still, you know, boggling with trying to suss it all out and what it means and how seriously we take it, how it impacts our self-worth. You know, you at the top of the tree with this one, you've got all the followers and and you know how that feels. Mm -hmm. For all those people out there that are, especially for young women, I think, you know, young guys too, but especially young women who are sort of striving, maybe even on a subconscious level for lots of followers or lots of likes or this sort of mythical popularity. And they're not quite sure why, but they know that it kind of means something. When you've got all of that and you have the masses pressing like loads of times a day, millions of followers, does that make you feel any better about yourself? Honest answer, no. I think Mm. at first, maybe, because it's quite exciting. You've got people liking your photo and, you know, you're like, oh, okay, this one's done better than this one. I wonder why that is. And you can really look into it. But I don't know whether it's because it's what I do. So I've become quite used to it. But I think if it was just me posting now on Instagram and I only had my friends and family following me, I don't think who likes it changes the way I feel about posting the photo whenever I post a photo I'm really happy with it or I want to share a moment in time with my friends and family or with my followers but I don't necessarily think getting that back in the way of a like should be what is considered kind of the what's the word I'm thinking of the pinnacle of posting it Mm. I just don't think that that's healthy to look at it that way. Mm. Um, but I can totally see why, especially younger people in schools. Like, it's quite scary. I'm quite pleased that I just missed social media in school because Same. having spoken to a lot of teenagers who are 
you know, going through this right now because they're posting photos and some of their classmates aren't liking them or their best friend might not like it. And mm. it does, I think it does cause a lot of... It's very visible, isn't yeah. it? It didn't used to be. It was it, like, oh, yeah. I think they're in a mood me, but I don't know why. And yeah. <laughs> well, you haven't liked my picture. <laughs> yeah, back in the day, it was like changing your tagline in MSN or something. Oh, like I didn't even have that, babe. That was before <laughs> that, unfortunately. <laughs> but it is scary because I think most people assume they would feel like if they all of a sudden had a million followers that they would feel better and that they it would fill a void or they would feel more popular or better about themselves but it really isn't substantial it's just a a number number. yeah it's a number Mm. and that number is for me it's incredible it's a number I never thought I would gain but at the same time I see that as a number of people that are gaining something from me Mm. in a sense you know they either like my posts or I've helped them in some way or they're just interested in Nala could be anything but I don't worry too much about the likes because that that can become very exhausting well I guess there's a division between okay so this number actually correlates to although it is you and your life that is your career Mm -hmm. and that is a sum of how that is going yeah and then there's you zoe you know who is a girlfriend a dog owner a daughter um a cousin a friend and it's not impacting that that's just you walking around feeling whatever feelings you are because they're there and they're separate to that number and that's i think the division that a lot of us you know of course it doesn't correlate to many people's jobs out there it's just it is their life but i think detaching it from your self-worth is really important because I think a lot of people are so affected by it and on a subconscious level and it and it is a bit of a game like you were saying there you can look through your posts and go oh that's interesting that one got 40,000 likes and uh, but this one got you know 400,000 likes mm-hmm. why is that and it is because I I've sort of looked through that in my own self-analysis and just intrigue you know why what is that I thought that one would get more than that one because mm. my interests are perhaps slightly out of the box sometimes but it seems like the the way to win the game if we're going to make it a kind of a weird game is if I put a picture of myself up in a dress and I'm going out which is like once a year if I'm in a dress and a pair of heels it will get loads of likes but if I put something up of you know uh, a book that I've just read that I thought was absolutely game-changing it would get like three likes and for <laughs> me it would be the other way around but it is there, is, there, there do seem to be weird rules that apply mm. to the perfect Instagram picture or the perfect post that will gain that sort of traction. Does that ever come into the equation for you? I think sometimes, like, there's definitely people that will probably follow me for different reasons. Mm. So there will be the people that just like to look at pictures of my dog or pictures of, you know, a, a book I've been reading. But I think also Instagram is so visual. People like when there's more to look at. And they like when there's more going on in a photo. And I think over the years, people have definitely stepped up their Instagram game. Oh, yeah. Like, big time. Yeah. Even I'm like, how am I going to keep up with this? Like, everyone's so professional on Instagram. Yeah. Um, But, yeah, I don't know. It's just what people want to double tap, I guess. Mm. There's a weird science behind it somewhere. I guess it's how much you want to hone in on that versus what you want to just show your life's about yeah and how that is I think a lot of people kind of aspire to have a life that they might not have or to look a certain way and I think in that sense they'll probably follow accounts that have a very kind of glamorous life Mm. or they'll like the photos of you dressed up on your night out and I think 
in that sense, it could just be things that people are more interested in or that they aspire to be more like, or just that they're more inspired by, I guess. Mm. How do you think you would have dealt with social media when you were a teenager? You were already dealing with anxiety and, and knew something was afoot. How do you think you would have you know, dealt with a sort of onslaught of followers and being told things about yourself? Because I would have crumbled oh, within a second. I would have crumbled. Yeah. yeah, I was not a very strong teenager. Like even, I mean, back in the day, if we had a fallout with our friends, we had to chat to them the next day face-to-face in school. Mm. And now you've got social media and you've got instant messaging and you've got ways of saying whatever you want to say, absolutely no kind of repercussion of what you're saying to somebody online without actually having to say it to their face and I think if you had to ask some people to say what they are so comfortable to say to somebody Mm. online to their face I think it would be very difficult for a lot of people but back then that was all we could do if someone was annoying us you just you had to say it yeah unless you still had some credit left on your top-up phone (laughs) yeah yeah, yeah. you had to say it to their face and I think a lot of people have got very comfortable with being able to say whatever they want to say with no repercussions in a very easy way online. Mm. Um, And I think had I had that as a teenager, our arguments would have been 10 times worse. Yeah, completely. Yeah. You know, I do, I've got stepkids who are, you know, teenagers and it, it it is scary. I Mm. do think, you know, how do you navigate that? You know, as a parent for me, but also for them, like how do you work through that and, you know, I, I think about sort of self-worth a lot. I think especially for women, it can be really hard in this day and age to just feel okay about yourself. Because yeah. we're given so many messages that, oh, you, you need to do this to be a bit better. Or actually, you could do that and that would be a, a smart move. And just being us as we are in whatever state, mess or glory isn't ever quite enough. Mm. And it's it's it's. It's hard to be a young woman, I think, in this day and age. Definitely, definitely. Comparison is such a huge part of social media right now. And I can't remember where I read this, but somebody the other day was talking about how on places like Instagram and any social media, you should really only follow the people who, whenever you see their photo in your feed, makes you feel positive. And if there is anything, whether it makes you feel jealousy or it makes you feel really down about the way you look, just unfollow it. Mm. Because it can impact you in ways you don't even realise, even if you're scrolling past it. Whatever you are kind of subject to seeing on your phone or on your social media, you have control over what that is going to be at the end of the day. Yeah. Like you can unfollow. Yeah. Even if it's a friend of yours or, you know, someone who you just think, oh, I just hate that you're on holiday right now. I can't stand it. Mm. Unfollow. Yeah. Or or at least just mute them for a while. Because I think we forget how much we're taking it on board. Like we get to the end of the day and we don't go, God, I've I've digested so much information today. The news, magazines, my phone, emails, Instagram, that, you know, when you get into that horrible scrolly, (laughs) oh my God, how long have I been doing this? My thumb hurts. Like, ah, how many pictures have I just looked at? Yeah. And you're right. You know, if it is positive or Mm -hmm. creative, inspiring, there's nothing really wrong with that. Yeah. But if you know that actually the feeling around those pictures and those posts is making you feel shit about yourself. Yeah. Get off. It's just not worth it. Because we are taking it on board. And I think we're underestimating how much we're taking it on board. A hundred percent. Even if you scroll past something and it makes you feel bad for three seconds, it's still there. It's still in your, it's there. It's still in your mind. Mm. You've still consumed it in some way. And I also think with what you're posting, 
it should be as authentic as possible. Some people might not like it. That's fine. And that's how I feel about whatever I post. Of course, not everyone is going to like it. I realized that quite quickly. And it was quite upsetting because I'm such a people pleaser. But not everyone (laughs) is going to like you and not everyone is going to like what you're posting. Mm. But as long as you're posting things that you're really happy about and you're really passionate about, you're being completely authentic to who you are. And Mm. if someone doesn't like that, then there's nothing else you can really do. But I think if you think about it too much and start changing the way you're posting to fit in with what everyone else is posting or what people are telling you you should post, it's not fun anymore. Yeah. It's not the same. Mm. And also perhaps the way we're, you know, we again, we can point fingers and we can blame whatever social outlet. But if we remember, you know, and we all know these rules, but we forget them because mm-hmm. we're in a busy day or we're just scrolling through Instagram, whatever. But we know it's part fantasy and we know that it's not the whole story mm-hmm. and that it's a snapshot, it's a picture. But when we are scrolling, that's when we sort of forget and we can go, oh my God, they're out having this amazing time and I, it's eight, but I'm in my pyjamas already, blah, blah. You know, you're so huge on Instagram, but do you ever feel those feelings still looking at pictures where you have that FOMO or, you know, just you compare yourself and think, God, why aren't I doing that right now? Yeah, I do that all the time. All the time, especially within a creative industry where you have so many creative people working around you, you are constantly thinking, oh, maybe I should up like, maybe I shouldn't take my Instagram pictures on my iPhone. Maybe I should be taking them on a proper camera. And I'm like, no, because that's not really me. And yeah, I can maybe take a few if Alfie can be bothered to take some for me. But at the end of the day, you know, I've got to this point doing whatever I wanted to do. I haven't really changed a lot in the way of my content so I think just staying true to what you want to do and staying in your own lane I guess it's nice to look in other lanes every now and then and I think it's nice when you're creative to kind of be inspired by other creatives but I think you have to think of it more like that you need Mm. to kind of take a bit of inspiration from it rather than kind of thinking oh god their post is amazing and oh my god look at their website it's absolutely like how will I ever be able to do anything that's like this you kind of just have to think they're doing great in their lane and they're really happy and I'm happy for them and anything you can take away from that maybe it boosts your kind of want to build on something a bit more maybe it makes you think actually yeah I have been a bit lazy with my photos recently and that's been the kick up the bum I needed to make a bit more effort again Mm. um but it it I think it all really does depend on your mindset at the time uh, as completely, well. Completely, completely. Because if you're feeling quite self-destructive and you go on Instagram and everyone's on holiday oh, yeah. or everyone's posting these amazing photos and you are in bed in your pyjamas, yeah. it is very like, oh God, why am I doing this to myself? I'll I just need to get off. I'll seek them out on a bad day. Yeah. Where is that picture of someone with really skinny brown legs <laughs> on holiday? I'm going to bloody well find it and torture the hell out of myself. But why do humans do, do it. that? It's horrible. Self-sabotage, human condition. Yeah. Awful. Um, but I actively do that. And again, I know, I know that's a terrible move. I know the right move is to go and just step outside into my garden and take a deep breath and it's hard look to at do the moon that or whatever. But you go, no, I'm going to find the worst, most brilliant pictures ever and yeah. torture myself. And it's so weird that we do it. But I think for people to hear that you do it at your level of, you know, social media fame, that's that's uh, refreshing because mm-hmm. I don't think people would imagine that they would just think oh no you got it sussed you got it down you're completely happy with how things are going but it's nice to hear that we are all fallible in that way oh and, yeah and we're all capable of walking down those treacherous roads you have managed to carve out a really nice part of the internet for you and your career and that space feels really positive positive. Mm-hmm. 
And as we talked about earlier a little bit, we touched on the fact that it can be a nasty place. Mm -hmm. You know, probably more nasty than the real world because people can do, say, or whatever without repercussion and without much responsibility. How hard has that been to keep your space really positive and intact within that world? I think it was a lot easier at the beginning because everybody was creating a very positive space and everyone had time for each other and it was all about collaboration and everyone wanted the best for everyone else. And when YouTube was something that was still quite new, it was new for everybody and we were all on this journey together and it was all very exciting and there weren't really any negatives at that point. But I think as time goes on and people are getting a lot more used to the way the internet is, they're getting a lot kind of easier like it's getting a lot easier to kind of say what you want to say it's becoming kind of normal Mm. um people are a bit immune to empathy I think at this point and not a lot of people remember that there's a person reading that at the other Mm. end especially if you have a larger following or you're more well known it's like you don't make that same connection Mm. and what's really interesting is I found an old diary of mine and this is what put it completely into perspective when I was getting like hate comments and I just found it really awful I found a diary where I must have been about 10 and I was writing about oh god I can't remember who it was it was a celebrity or someone on EastEnders or something and I was writing about them in such a horrible way (laughs) but just that's Sonia Jackson what a bitch (laughs) I can't believe she did that to him but I was like, I I didn't, if I had the internet at that point, I probably would have written it on the internet, not in my diary. Yeah. And I would never have imagined that she would have read that. Mm. And I think a lot of people probably do the same thing as 10-year-old Zoe in her diary. But now that they've got the internet, they do it. But they still don't quite make that connection with the mm. fact that it is a real person and they could read it. Yeah, completely. And and like you say, they, they probably wouldn't say it if it was you just stood there no. in front of them. Because I've done the really juvenile thing of a couple of times responding oh, to yeah. comments. Ooh. Quite enjoy it sometimes. <laughs> sometimes I just think, oh, I can't be bothered, whatever. Just think what you've got to think. But when they're fundamentally wrong, or mm. they're making an assumption, that I know it's not an opinion it's like a a sweeping statement that is not correct yeah I will take a little bit of pleasure in replying and nine times out of ten they'll go oh you know what I was having a bit of a shit day yeah I shouldn't I shouldn't have really said it and I'm not I'm not looking for like victory I won I'm just like I just want you to know that I'm I've read it yeah I can't see you yeah so you know and I think it is People do, I mean, and I say this for myself, so we all need to take more responsibility about how we talk about anything on the internet. Because there is a repercussion, even if you don't know about it. You know, there are people at the other end of these things or or groups of people that, you know, could take offence or feel like you've really got them wrong. And it's it's a tricky place. Definitely. And I also think you don't know, although you're seeing snippets of their life, like people could look at my Instagram and just think, oh, she's got her stuff together. She's happy all the time. Like, I can say this to her and I can bring her down a peg or two. You don't really know how someone feels inside or whether that's the 600th comment they've read that day or you know whether they've been having something else going on in their life that they haven't made public you never really know what kind of day someone's having Mm. so I think people like the online space I think at the moment could do with a bit of tailoring I think people have gotten far too relaxed how do we do this because I hear so many people 
talk about this and I'm completely on board with it and I'm a real advocate for just being kinder mm-hmm. in all ways. You know, you can still have opinions and be passionate and, and discuss difficult subjects but I think just being generally kinder on the internet is something that we all need to focus on more. Definitely. But I just feel like how do we backpedal because we've gone so far in the other direction now. I know. I have no idea. Mm. I feel like something something either needs to happen or I just, I don't know. It's a real... It's a head scratcher. It is. It's a big place. Because a lot of people want it to be a nicer space. And want to feel safe in that environment. And for their kids to have phones and iPads. Because it's inevitable that's going to happen. But, you know, to feel that with an element of safety rather than just terror. About about to step into a really unkind place. Yeah. It's just a real, real tricky one. Has there been one moment where you just thought, Oh my god! Like this feels like absolute success. Like I've, I've, I've nailed it here. Even if it was a fleeting moment, have there been sort of it's a seminal moment that you've really taken a step back and gone, "Wow, this is great." I feel like there's been a few of those moments. Definitely, even if it's something that's kind of as small as just a very cool meeting with like a cool person, or you know, working on my um, beauty brand was was one of those moments for me because it was just something I could never have anticipated would ever come out of doing this. But even like smaller things, like when I was on the Bake Off, I was just pinching myself like, why am I I in this tent? (laughs) How terrifying was that? The scariest thing I've ever done. I bet. Yeah. I said no because I was too scared. (laughs) Oh, I wish Genuinely too scared. Terrified. Was it Maybe brilliant? I took your space. <laughs> no, I'm sure you, you you had your own before me, babes. Um, no, I bet that was a real moment. And then what about moments that you've felt like, oh, I just don't know if I can do this anymore. Have there been lows where you've thought about jacking it in? Yeah, there's been a few, definitely. When things get too much or if there's ever any controversy around something or, you know, there's there's always going to be those moments where you feel like, well, nothing can go wrong. I'm untouchable. Look at me. I'm like soaring through. This is fab. My followers are growing. Got my new beauty brand. What could possibly go wrong? And then someone comes along and bursts your bubble. That will always happen. But I do think those moments, as awful as they have been, have molded me into the person that I am now. And I'm a much more kind of stronger person. And they've allowed me to see the space a lot differently, you know. It's not normal to kind of go through your career not thinking that anything could go wrong. So I think those moments are very grounding. Mm. And I think everyone probably goes through stages like that in their career. Yeah. And you just feel at the time, like, how could I possibly ever come back from this? Or, you know, it affects your mental health so bad that you just think, well, why? I can't pick up a camera now. Mm. Um, But you do. And then you're stronger for it. And it just makes things so much more kind of, it gives everything a bit more perspective, I think. So in those moments where you have felt down, how have you started to incrementally sort of build yourself back up and and feel ready to get back in front of a camera or to be seen in the public domain? I think because I enjoy it so much, it's genuinely really hard to stay away from it. You know, I could have like a week, two weeks off and that feels great. And it's probably most of the time quite needed but then you just kind of get the itch to pick up your camera or you get the itch to kind of post on Instagram and like see what everyone's up to and kind of it is what I love doing so at the end of the day I can't really ever stay away from it for too long and I always think even if people stopped watching YouTube or no one wanted to follow me anymore or you know I had kids and didn't want to do this anymore I would still want to share 
aspects of what I was up to or what I was doing or you know still be a part of that space because I just love it so much so can you see yourself doing this for the long haul is it something you you really just want to it's part it's it's such a big part of your life now that you couldn't extract one from the other yeah I think so I think I'd probably slow down over time um and obviously depending on where kind of this career molds itself um you know I don't know if YouTube will still be a thing or maybe people don't really want to watch videos in 10 years we don't really know where it's ever going to get to but I know that at whatever capacity the online world is at I will still be wanting to create somewhere for sure do you think people culturally today believe that if they have more followers the feeling is maybe not always about their self-worth directly but that they will feel more accepted I think it's sort of like a fear for all of us walking around planet earth that we don't feel accepted by others Mm. and maybe maybe social media has become this weird new a system where we think we're going to get the acceptance there yeah maybe and there's also a lot more people and I think when you can get the acceptance of strangers mm. it's like a whole new level isn't it because mm. it's not just the people around you anymore it's oh my god this person said they really like my dress and I don't know who that is but thanks very much yeah they've said I'm doing it right yeah whatever the fuck that means <laughs> and whoever they are yeah. and it's not right or wrong is it but because it, I have fallen into that trap not particularly at this point in my life, but before going, oh, you know, my radio show's got this many listeners or whatever, and I'm accepted by these people. Mm. What does that mean? That's yeah. so weird to think. But and I think social media has given everybody a slice of that that we can feel accepted by like you say people we don't really know very well and yeah. that is a little bit weird it is actually mm. looking at the team that you've built around you because obviously you know now at the level that you're at you've got a team you've got people <laughs> who you work with how do you go through the process of finding the right people and getting a nice creative group that who are in line with what you're doing yeah so obviously this is something that I um never thought I would be doing either so obviously I did like business studies in school and got a C so that's about all I knew about (laughs) growing a business so it's it's definitely been a learning journey kind of growing my own team and like building a company but it's been very exciting and I think you just have to have the people around you that know you and that fully understand you and fully get you but also I think it's important not to have the yes people Mm. who are the people that will always just go yeah yeah you need the people that are going to be like "Mm, I don't really think that's a very good idea because those are the people that have your best interest and you know there's definitely been some people I've met through this career that probably I could have done with not meeting Mm -hmm. but at the same time it also shows you who the good the good people are and the ones that you do want on your team but at the end of the day, it's kind of like a really big group of friends and we all just get on so well. And how are you as a boss? What kind of boss are you? Oh, well, I I think... I'll ask your team secretly after if, <laughs> if it's the correct answer. What kind of boss am I? I mean, I'm not your boss, but... <laughs> I could probably put my foot down a little more. I don't like to be thought of as this kind of scary um, boss lady. Like, we have a lot of fun and... I just see us all as equal. We're all trying to create the same thing. We all want the same end goal. And I think as long as what is happening around you is exactly how you want it, then you're doing it. You're doing a good job. Yeah. <laughs> 
Harmony. Yeah, bit of harmony. Good. Well, look, Zoe, thank you so much. And Nala for letting (laughs) us come into your home today. It's been really lovely chatting to you. Thank you so much. Thank you. Nala, you're coming home with me. Thank you, Miss Zoe Sugg. What a gem you are. And what an honour to spend some time in the company of YouTube royalty. If you've enjoyed this episode of Happy Place, you should definitely check out our ever-growing archive of shows with guests including Dawn French, Tom Daly and Paloma Faith. And next time, we'll meet the founder of SBTV, Jamal Edwards. I think you've got to take risks because if you don't take risks, you're never going to know and you're never going to really expand what it is that you want to do. You can subscribe on any number of free podcast apps, including Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher and more. Do it now. Thanks again to Zoe, to the producer of this episode, Lucy Dearlove at Rethink Audio, and to you, gorgeous people, for listening. I'll see you next week. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.